What's going on, Breaking Barriers Podcast? What's up? What's up? Okay, new hair. Who this? I see you, Drina. All right, all right. <laughs> that looks nice. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. How are y'all doing this lovely Tuesday? Good, good, good. Adrian having issues like I had last week. Child, they had to come redo my whole internet. Oh, Lord. The, what it, happened? Did they say what happened? It's these little bugs outside. I don't know. These like black and red bugs. They're like everywhere. And they were like invaded the box outside my house. Like love bugs? They're not the love bugs. I've never seen these kind of bugs before. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was like, I sprayed a whole bunch of stuff on them, and they just dispersed when I sprayed them. I'm like, what in the world? Like, I couldn't work. I had to use my hotspot to work and everything the next day. They have these things in Louisiana. I had never heard of them called mayflies. They only come in the month of May. And like, you will, um, you'll think that you're passing by a sign that is just like a black wall, and uh -huh. it'll just be covered in those. And they're huge. Wow. I went on a swamp tour the first time I saw him, and I was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are here, y'all. For those of you who do not know who we are, we are the Breaking Barriers podcast, and we are live this Tuesday. We got some good stuff to talk about today. I will introduce my co-host this evening. I will start out with Mr. Adrian, a.k.a. Mr. GC. Can you hear me, Adrian? Mr. GC, how y'all doing out there? My very white voice on today. Yeah. AKA? <laughs> like, I'm not even entertaining that. I could, we couldn't hear you. We didn't hear you. We can't hear you. Oh, y'all oh, couldn't hear me? We heard Mr. GC and then you start laughing. Oh, I said, uh, you know, with my very white voice on, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus, I want to be like one of the podcast dudes. You know what I'm saying? No, nobody want to hear that but Debbie. <laughs> with the mic and they be talking, you know, caressing the mic and you know, just like, yeah. oh my god, them lanes. <laughs> I'll be like, Ooh. what? And and still be saying dumb shit. <laughs> I love it when they call me Big Papa. You actually, you actually sound exactly like this particular podcaster, and I ain't gonna say his name on here. That's this, yeah. You actually sound just like him. Okay. Mm. Anyway, and then we have my other lovely co-host, Drina, aka Drina Dream, aka Drina got brunch fest done and over with. It's done. Oh, oh <laughs> shoot. We made it. That was this we past made weekend? It to the other side. Yeah. Oh, how we made was? it to the other side. It was really good. Our demographic has changed to um, palm colored people who come really early. <laughs> Doors opened at 10. They were there at 9 30 waiting for mimosas. <laughs> but it was a good time. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we have our lovely host, Miss Didi. She always has the most going on. Miss Didi, aka the Core Queen, aka I need a vacation. You deserve one. You deserve one. 
you. Tired. Can I? Yeah. I'm tired of being my son's Uber driver. Oh, listen. Oh, that's like my and Didi, my daughter, she is 16, like in a month. She do not she's not interested in learning. She's like, for what? You could oh, drive. No. And no. Say your guest Jonathan is in for Chrome, which is that. Y'all see this error that popped up? Yeah. I guess to wear headphones. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm tired because he got more plans than me. I'm like, listen, we got to sync our calendars here. They love coming up with plans that they ain't got no ride to. Sunday. Who? Where y'all go? How y'all getting there? You? By you? You better ask that. I said, listen. You gonna have to start asking your friends' moms. Like, why am I always the mom that gotta take y'all everywhere? No. Cause you the cool mom. Mm -mm. Get out. Get out. No. Well, we're gonna go ahead and get into these topics. Um, because we got some good stuff to talk about today, and we have a guest to come on, so we want to get him on during our main topic segment. So we're gonna get into our um trending topics first. So y'all know NFL, we always do a little NFL recap. Um, and of course, you know, I always gotta brag about my team because we still number one in the NFL, even though they be hating on us. Fly Eagles fly. Y'all gonna quit hating on my team. Oh, Didi, I heard they're uh, releasing the um, Philly jacket that Princess Diana wore. People going crazy over it. Oh Lord, no. see, 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 they can't do stuff like that. You know, folks in Philly crazy, so they're gonna be robbing. I don't want the jacket. Yeah, I don't want the jacket. <laughs> I don't want to get robbed for a jacket. Okay. Apparently, they made it. A little, it was a one of one for her, and people have been asking for it so much they decided to bring it back. Uh -uh. So yeah. Nope. That just sounds like some ignorant stuff about to happen. No, thank you. Big money Diddy. Uh -uh, I'm good. I mean, nope. Y'all see that um the Cowboys game, they the Super Bowl they just won Sunday. The Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. That's what they act like every time they win a game. I think they, they're getting a little hip. They like, man, we gotta be somebody with a pulse before I get um excited because they ain't be nobody <laughs> with a post yet but they you know they murdering the teams that you know they supposed to be so yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll you know we'll see we'll see what they do um they play they got another losing team this week the panthers oh yeah so they they should be good <laughs> should, I'm, I'm just saying they should, they should be good again yeah. so yeah they be all right i mean they got a soft yeah, they got a soft schedule for the most part. So mm -hmm. they should make the playoffs. So they we'll won't. see what they do. We'll see what they do in the playoffs. Can they make some noise? They won't. Um, you see if Buffalo they, offensive coordinator got fired. Yeah. They did everything in their power to lose last time. <laughs> Man. Everything. They had Russ looking. Russ was out there cooking like he used to. I was like, they got Russ out here looking like what he used to look like. Right. Yeah, that oh they fired that man quick. They say, yeah. Dang. Gotta let you go, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then what about the uh Saints? They was mad because they your boy Winston came in and he was he was handling business when he came in. 
I think Winston is he, you know what you get with Winston. Winston gonna make some in, some incredible plays, but he's gonna make some dumb plays too. Yeah. And you so you gotta take the good with the bad. He gonna make some plays, you like dang he out here cooking. Then he gonna do something stupid. And you like, oh, <laughs> he get on my nerves. Good with the bad. From what whenever I hate whenever Derek Carr's in the game. Cause I'm like, I have never seen somebody run from getting. He ain't gonna run that ball at all. He do not want to get hit whatsoever, <laughs> like at all. I'm like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. And then we can't. Our kicker, I don't know. He must have a, a full time job during the week because he can't kick the damn ball for shit. Mm. I'll be like, you have one job. This is all you gotta do. Do you have mm. another job we don't know about? Cause this is all you gotta yep. focus on. This ain't it. Yeah. I don't know, child. But we'll see what this week brings. Um, we got a show and tell because we play Kansas City on Monday, so it's a Super Bowl repeat. We're gonna see. Did y'all see that man say he wore the same underwear every game? Yes, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he didn't say if he cleaned them. I hope he does. He said he wears got to be raggedy by now. That's. I mean, it's worse. You know, some people wear the same socks. Some people wear the mm. same underwear. Some people. I could go with socks. Underwear, you you sweating. Some your people feet. got a, a lucky undershirt that they wear. It is baby, all over the place. baby, you gonna either lose or you gonna win. Some people, you know, you, you, you still wear the draws even after you lost. They ain't that lucky. Keep them. <laughs> You don't want more than you're the loss, so you <laughs> can't be the draws. Hey, I, so. I, I don't know. All right, y'all. What about your girl? I, I think that Tasha K needs to find a new profession because at this point, she's just losing money. She got sued again. R. Kelly suing her. Oh, I did see that. She said something about R. Kelly. I don't. She got the leaked footage from a phone call that he made in prison, and she talked about it on her show. So he's mm. suing the prison and her. How'd she get that? She needs to shut up. Why do you want that? You already owe this woman every damn thing. Why you even want to keep talking about people? Hey Amen. They said that's why she was trying to, you know, make up with Cardi. And Cardi almost felt bad for her. Uh-uh, Cardi. Don't, no, 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 no. That's a, that's a slithering snake. You got to let her, you got to chop her head off to get her, get rid of her. Mm-mm. She don't. She don't know when to stop talking. No. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, okay. So she's getting sued again, and I believe R. Kelly will win this lawsuit. He probably will. He gonna win this. Yeah. Man. <sighs> so we gonna stand by and see Tasha K. Just go work at Walmart or something. I don't know. This ain't working out for you. You supposed to be on a platform to make money. You losing money. <laughs> Doing too much. Yeah. She. She's ridiculous. Um, so what do you, I don't think we talked about this last week. If we did, I don't remember. But what did y'all think about the Jeezy and Neil Long interview? Um, good conversation. Um, I think that it, it definitely needs to happen. It, you know, I, I think that type of dialogue between mm-hmm. us needs to happen a little bit more open, honest, you know, communication. Um, I, I thought it was great. I did too, but something that disturbed me about what people said after the fact, and 
it just so bothers me with black people when they do this. Because he made the comment that real niggas don't cheat. Take it however you want to take it. But what really bothered me is a lot of black men took that as, oh, he trying to fuck her. He just trying to get some. I'm like, why do we always have to overly sexualize black women? Why? I didn't. Like, how did you get that from that? Yeah, I didn't uh, pick up on that. Probably because it's two attractive people. That you know, that's that's something we we notorious for. Two two attractive people, they gotta be having sex. Yep. You know, I'm like, she's not a. She's been one of the most respectful people. Like, you don't hear much about her other than what just happened with her husband. That had nothing to do with her boyfriend, whatever he is. And like, for people to just minimize her to that throughout that whole interview, they picked that piece out of it. I was just like. <sighs> Yeah, it was yeah. a great it was a great conversation. And when I saw people saying that, I was like, I didn't get them vibes from no. the conversation. It was just an open conversation, a beautiful thing. Um, and they both talk about their talked about their past, especially him. Um, it was just refreshing mm -hmm. to hear that from a black man. So, like you said, I hope that it does spark more conversations, uh, personal conversations between people, black men and black women. I think that's one of the downfalls of black people is that they don't they they seeing that healthy conversation that's something you don't see often right yeah. and, the, and the very first thing they go to is a sexual relationship because that's the only time you really see black people having open honest vulnerable conversations if, if you're sleeping with that person and it's like we that damaged that that conversation y'all took it to a sexual level that's insane like Come on, y'all. We gotta be better than that. We just got to be shit. It's, it's, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty sickening. It's pretty sickening. Anyway, speaking of sickening, did y'all see? Have you heard? Have you read? Have you been keeping up with Kiki Palmer? And as Drina called him, Ricky Fontaine, pretty Ricky, what they call him, her baby daddy with this whole domestic violence crap that's been going on with them. Um, it once I, I mean, once I saw the pictures, I was pretty much like, throw him, lock him up, throw away the key. Like, ain't, ain't too much more I need to see from that point. Um, sad situation, um, you know, it's super, super sad. And and I feel bad for people that be in that situation where they're getting gaslit mm. by someone, you know, and who they care about. Mm -hmm. Because it's a lot of power that you have when someone cares about you in that in that capacity. And when you, you know, treat people in that way, take advantage of their vulnerability for you. Like, it's, it's very sad to me. Like, I don't I don't like that. Um, right. I think that's horrible. And I think that really shows a person's true colors for someone that'll do that to you. It, it to me, you ain't shit. Um, you know, for for you to take advantage of someone's feelings for you, gaslight them, treat them in that way. Um, yeah, it's it's just not fair. And it really tells me a, a lot about you as a mm -hmm. man, as a person. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, it was so many like when the pictures came, I was shocked that the pictures came out. And when I saw him, I was like, they need to put a trigger warning on this because 
I ha- I've never been in that type of situation, but I can imagine people that have like that mm-hmm. is very tr- triggering to see. Um, and for his brother to try to, you know, come and say, you know, he going to be vindicated. And even his mom putting out messages where Kiki's mom was telling her, you know, that she will put a bullet in her son. Like, yeah, that's what somebody mama going to tell you. But um, the last thing I saw about it was, you know, Kiki, she said that pretty much anything would set him off when they had to go to a party or they were out. Like if she held a conversation with somebody a few minutes too long, you know, he felt like she was disrespectful. He would call mm-hmm. her a whore, slut, and storm off. Mm-hmm. And just, um, mm-hmm. you know, the pictures that were shown, like he showed up to the house one day after they had broken up, asking to take the baby to a football game. And when she told him no, that's whenever, you know, he pretty much, you know, attacked her or whatever. But I'm like, this it is just so horrible. Because <clears throat> you see people smiling, working, going about their day-to-day life and to know that they're going through that at home. And she did say, you know, he did a lot of gaslighting. Mm-hmm. But it's just horrible. And you know, so many people are like going through it and they and they stay. Mm-hmm. But what was even more interesting to me was how many people like flooded the internet whenever like he was talking about what she wore to the Usher concert or how she acted. But hmm. those same people, they saw these pictures just like we did, hmm. and they ain't said nothing about it. Like hmm. you can get, you can see it visibly. Like this man is towering over her. Like he, those are the positions you shouldn't put somebody you care about in. Whether hmm. like if we don't know what happened after, like you can still he's trying to intimidate her. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. What what gets me the most is that because I've been in situations like that, so his comment about the dress had already told me everything I needed to know about him. Um, that like, a, a, like a regular guy, you just wouldn't do that. You would just have a conversation with your girl. Like you wouldn't like that, that kind of behavior. You don't do that. Um, so it was already, and, and we're talking about Kiki Palmer, who's a very private person. So for him to do that, that was a control tactic on his part. Yeah. And, and then him, she she was never the type that was overly um like how he was recording her prior to that with her panties and bra on like that just wasn't her yeah and that, it just reminded me so much of a situation that I went through before so this didn't shock me at all and if you look at those screen grabs from those videos one of them was from six twenty four in the morning in twenty twenty two. So this has been going on for a while. This dude, right. his, him and his brother are one and the same. What solidified it for me before the pictures was her mother. I ain't never in my life seen Kiki Palmer mom. Right. All these years she's been in the industry, I ain't never seen her mom. When her mom came on and did the live, I knew something wasn't right. right. I think she was relieved to finally be able to come out and say something. Because there's yeah. nothing you can do for your child if they won't leave. You just got to hope that they finally get it and it's not too late. So yeah, I pray that her and that baby get away from that clown and dealing with a man who, who feels inferior to you is never going to get better. He going to keep trying to gaslight her and, and abuse her. So and apparently his brother is the same kind of guy. Yeah. I don't know who and, raised him. And I feel like a lot of times men think that women only think this happens to women we know that there are women who are gaslighters as well. Oh, we know yeah. that there are, we know that there are women who try to 
you know, pull a certain card with a man or press a certain button just to trigger him to get him to react this way. And now she's like, oh, see, now you hitting on me, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, we know that there are women that are out there just as bad. But, you know, a lot of times, I guess men aren't coming to the forefront with it. So I don't mm -hmm. want men to ever think that we think it's a one-sided thing. We know oh, they got no. women who are, who are out here gaslighting men who are equally as crazy. And we, we want you to get away from them, too. Just Please. like we want Kiki to get away from this man. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully we get some uh, good stuff from this next album coming from Andre 3000 that everybody's pissed about. I'm not mad at him. Listen, Andre, this is the kind of freedom that everybody wishes and hopes for. Well, you don't give a damn what nobody thinks. You're going to do whatever you feel like. You're going to drop a damn album with no bars. <laughs> Play your flute, Andre. Play your <laughs> flute, three stacks. <laughs> when, when I saw what? the album cover, when I saw, I was like, this nigga's going to drop an album by flutes. <laughs> like, I am here for it. He gonna have a song with just him playing a triangle, like. <laughs> but I would be living for it, and I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna stream it. <laughs> Everybody gonna get that album. You hear me? People gonna be rapping to it. All of that. Can I get that beat? That beat go hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Listen. I, I am happy that he let people. I'm happy that he let people know ahead of time. Ain't no, ain't no bars on here. But <laughs> the, thing is, would have been. the thing is, people do not read because I keep seeing people post saying this gonna solidify him as the best. I'm like, my my boy, ain't no rapping on here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, told you. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I love shit like this. this Piss him off, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. I'll be blasting it. This is this is something you can play around your grandma. What y'all talking about? <laughs> oh child. What if you got a feature with Lizzo on there? They blow both playing they flute. Oh, what talking they about? competing with the flutes. <laughs> That's gonna be good. This here is classic, man. <laughs> oh man. But wait, but he did not say he didn't say that. There, he might not have no bars, but maybe he got features with him playing the flute. He might. <laughs> so, so the track, did y'all look at the track? He dropped the track list. Oh my god, of the names of the songs. This shit is funny to me, y'all. I'm telling you, clearly, <laughs> Didi over here having a hoot because <laughs> people so mad, y'all. Oh my god. Y'all think he got videos? <laughs> I hope he do. He got number track number one. I swear I really want to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. That's number one. Number two, the slang word pussy rolls off the tongue with far better ease than the proper word vagina. Do you agree? <laughs> number three. The night that night in Hawaii, when I turned into a panther and started making those these low register purring tones that I couldn't control, shit was wild. Number four, bipolar disorder's daughter wears a three thousand button down embroidered. Number five, ninety three till ninety three till infinity and Beyonce. 
number six. On mushrooms. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, he was on shrooms this whole time. Number six, Gandhi, Dalai Lama, your Lord and Savior, G JC, Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and John Wayne Gacy. Number seven. <laughs> number seven. Number seven, ants to you, gods to who? And the last one is number eight. Dreams once buried beneath the dungeon floor slowly sprout into undying gardens. So it's eight tracks. Mm. Keep your heart three stacks. Keep your heart. Hey, <laughs> I can't wait. I, I can't, can't wait. wait. Friday, I am downloading it eight stacks. Y'all some haters. I can't wait. Y'all some haters. Aiden, you gonna get the album? Yeah. Not. <laughs> Why not? Y'all think y'all angry? Probably not. Y'all some haters, man. Y'all don't y'all don't appreciate music. Because it's an instrumental, that's why you're not gonna get it. No, I like instrumentals. I gotta hear what is you know, I gotta get a sample first. He ain't dropping no samples, he out three thousand. He ain't gotta do that. Hey, I mean, I'm just saying. All right, let's get through these uh, icebreaker topics real quick. What is the worst male fashion trend? The worst. Mm. Sagging. Yeah, sagging for sure. By far in the history. Uh, Particularly sagging with tight jeans. Sagging with tight jeans. Mm -hmm. um, oh my God. These, these hair pieces. Oh, <laughs> hair pieces. Ooh. Yeah, for sure. Hair pieces. Oh, God. 1000% hair pieces. Man purses. Oh, man. Yep. Y'all going mm. there? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because what, what do you have in there? What's in there? Uh, credit cards, keys, wallet, back pocket. Keys, front pocket, gun, holster. <laughs> what? what the fuck do you need a purse for? It's, it's, it's not a purse. It is a purse. It's a pocketbook. It's a purse. It's a pocketbook. <laughs> uh -uh. I hate you. Yeah, the sagging for me is a worse. Yeah. All right, y'all. We all know that Thanksgiving is coming up next week. What is the goat Thanksgiving dish? Dressing. <laughs> um, Adrian, what's yours? I'm going to say <laughs> mac and cheese for 1,000, Alex. It's mac and cheese, too. Is it? And the reason why it's not dressing for me, because for dressing, you got to eat. To me, you got to have certain stuff with the dressing to eat it on the spoon. Like, you can't just eat dressing by itself. Mac and cheese, you just eat it by itself. Right. Dressing is the only reason I show up for Thanksgiving dinner. Because we only get it twice. The yams, the greens, and the mac all on the spoon at the same time. Yams. I need dressing and yams or yeah. dressing and, and beans or something. Like, the sweet with the salt. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. the, the baked beans with the... Oh, that'd be busting. Or, yeah, I can't I'm kind of like with Didi. Like dressing is cool, but I mean, unless you put some shrimp in it and that type of thing. But I mean, is it really dressing when you do all that to it? Yeah. Dressing requires other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I love it. I love dressing. I mean, yeah, I got to have I all my too. Stuff with it. But I needed touching other things on the plate. Yeah, they got to have that sweet run over it over there. You know <laughs> gotta, gotta be touching other things on the plate. Got to. All right, last icebreaker, and we're gonna bring our guest on. Name a hip hop song that's so recognizable that the whole venue will be rapping the lyrics. Dreams and nightmares, Meek Mill. I was gonna say dreams and nightmares. Um, if you're in the south, set it off by Lil Boosie. Oh my God, man! If you're in the south, wipe me down. Wipe me down. That's anywhere though. Okay, wipe me down anywhere. Anyway. Set it off or or wipe me down. Um, about to set up. Then uh, you know, F the mother, that beat drop, and see murder start rapping. Yeah. That's down south. No, that's definitely hey man, that's down south. I, was, I mean, that's how I feel about Dream Night. I don't even know the song. Nuck if you buck. Oh yeah. Um, okay. I was trying to think of a West Coast song earlier. And I was Stop. thinking, Stop. you don't think it's none? I'm, nah, it, it is. Um, Let me think. Uh, I think white folks go crazy over California love and gin and juice. Gin and juice might be one. Snoop, uh, what's my name? Um, I hate Dre, Dre, uh, Chronic. Uh, 2000, Chronic 2000, Dre. But if you so but I'm saying if you in the club make play that you think people are gonna really start rapping to that shit? Um yeah, Chronic 2000. Yeah, Biggie. Now you play a Biggie song. That's 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 East Coast. We ain't rapping. If no you Biggie. play Biggie, um nope. what's the damn name of the song? Nothing. No, yes, it is. <laughs> that's that's you y'all Nintendo set the jigger says when I was there broke. Yeah, I couldn't picture the oh. no, not saying that in the club. No. Yes. No, now, dreams and dreams and nightmares for sure. Because the first time I was in a club and I heard it, and everyone in there knew it but me, I was like, "What is this song?" <laughs> oh, no, I wait a minute! Y'all thought I was in it. <laughs> I mean, it was like people had their cell phone lights out. I was like, "What is going on?" I never heard this song before. So yeah, yeah it was all the dream. Yeah, that song. No. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. They play dreams and nightmare anywhere in a club at a concert. Anywhere, oh, yeah, people go an event, it's over. I think internationally, anywhere, if you play niggas in pairs, <clears throat> maybe not here. What niggas in Kanye pairs? and Jay Z? Kanye and Jay Z. Can you sing it? Ball so hard, motherfuckers want to find me. Uh, I never knew that was the name of that song. <laughs> oh, <that's it>. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently, uh, oh, you know what? Mm -mm. Allegedly, Dang. they call it that because Amber Rose's stage name was Paris, and Kanye West named it "Niggas in Paris." <clears throat> T Pain, buy you a drink. Oh, They're international, everywhere. Everybody, you say something that we know. Everybody's singing that. Oh yeah, short is snap. Everybody's singing that. Oh. All right. Uh, oh, one more, one more, one more. Come on now. Come on now, y'all. Come on now. You talked about Andre 3000. Come well, on now. Hip -hop, UGK. Yeah, Andre 3000. I mean, Andre Outcast. UGK. Come on. Oh, now. yeah. International player. International player. I don't think that would rock all over. Maybe in the South. I okay. choose. That'd be going crazy. Yeah. 
Of course. It, it, that was huge. Yeah. And we got to say, back that ass up. Oh, that, absolutely. <laughs> For the 9 out of the 2000, that absolutely. That's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Is our guest ready? Is he, is he ready? There you go. Whoa. <laughs> you going to introduce him? <laughs> yes, I'll introduce him. Our guest that's coming to you live. Let me get my voice on, y'all. With me, let's Boy. snap, snap, snap. snap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, man, because we, we got a serious topic for y'all today. So Jonathan Carrington is the founder and owner of Atone Therapy, a private practice in Maryland that recognizes and responds to the impact of trauma on individuals and businesses. Over the past 20 years, Jonathan has served a variety of Maryland residents, including youth, teens, homeless, military service members, and trauma survivors. He offers a specialized solution to individuals and businesses, including advisory services, consultation, and institutional policies and practices. Jonathan is also licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Maryland serving BIPOC, individuals experiencing anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress. He is a consultant to community health agencies, consultant firms, small businesses, and nonprofit organizations. Jonathan also writes on clinical issues about mental health, race-based stress and trauma, religious trauma, and workplace wellness. He earned his master's degree in professional counseling from Liberty University in Virginia and a bachelor's degree in arts administration from the H. Howard University in Washington, D.C. All right, bring him on. Jonathan Carrington. Welcome, Jonathan. <laughs> What's going on? Welcome. Happy Men's Mental Health Month. That's right. It is Men's yes. Mental Health Month. Correct. Yes. Happy to be here. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I'm excited to have you. Let me say hi to my daughter. Hey, baby girl. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, we got some good stuff to talk about. Um, I'm going to jump right into it, y'all. I'm going to go with the question of the week first. So Adrian posts a question of the week every week. So this week's question of the week is, how important is therapy to the Black community? Uh. Oh. It's, it's, I think it's one of the most important and the most underutilized um, tool in the black community. Um, self, uh, what do you call it? Uh, full disclosure, I have a master's degree in psychology and counseling. So um, I am blown away at how black people just, no, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm good. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to just be all right. And I'm like, you know, you need to go talk to somebody about that. Like, why are you so angry? What's going? What's wrong? But they won't even acknowledge that it's some trauma that's happening. They just chalk it up as angry or irritated or bothered or just I'm tired. Or they won't even acknowledge that there is something that they really need to to deal with. And it just keeps carrying off generation to generation to generation. So, full disclosure too for me, like I I go to therapy. Um, I go to therapy once a week. Um, I was one of those that felt like, what can therapy do for me? I'm supposed to sit and talk to someone that 
I'm just spilling my guts. What is it going to do? What ultimately is it going to do? How is it going to help me? Um, and it definitely has helped. Um, it helps me, you know, cope with everyday life, you know, and struggles and struggles from the past. Right. We know that, that therapy is, is is one of those things that help us uncover things from our past that we just may not even know is affecting our present and future. Right. So um, I think it's, it's very instrumental. Um you know, to to our community. And I think that we definitely need to get on board with the understanding of how it can, you know, impact our life and help change that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, I agree with what both of you all said. It's very, very important, definitely underutilized. <clears throat> because I think people have a fear that if they go, like it means something. I don't, I don't really don't know what stops people from going because when I tell people, I'm like, you, you're having a conversation with somebody with an unbiased opinion. Like, they're not going to tell anybody what you're saying. So it just is very refreshing to me. And I wish more people would take advantage of it. So let's kick it to the professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree with what everybody else, what, what everyone is saying. Um, I think. Um, one of the biggest one of the biggest issues in our community is stigma. Um, I know that there was uh, some research around stigma with Black Americans, and that is their number one. It was like eighty percent of Black Americans um, have stigma attached to them, um, kind of focusing on their mental health, which is what makes it very difficult for them to access care and access support. Um, and for those who don't know what stigma is, is it's pretty much um, when you have like negative attitudes or beliefs or feelings about something. And there's a lot of mental health stigma attached to just, you know, if you were um, raised in a church um, and raised to believe to, you know, rely on your faith and rely on God is, you know, it's understandable why to reach out to like a, a, a secular, a party or an outside party or someone outside of your family, it's understandable to kind of have some hesitancy or reluctance around reaching out for care um, because of whatever your religious beliefs might say about mental health. I mean, you know, historically the religion has considered mental health to be attached to like demonic possession and like that kind of thing. And so, but it, you know, there's a lot of um, things that are, like the lack of information, the lack of knowledge around taking care of yourself, taking care of your mental health, um, and a lot of just lies and distortions and uh, misinformation that is out there around just mental health in general. So, um, and and I think there's this there's also this assumption that um, mental health is going to take you away from your religion. It's going to take you out of your spirituality, which is also not true because there is integration between your faith and mental health. And it's about how do you connect to people? Cause they're like, you know, um, Christian therapists or Christian counselors um, that have been trained to understand theology and psychology. So how do you connect to people that really align with what you believe in, but also align to your mental health needs? Mm. So there, there's a lot of um, things that our community really needs to work on and work through, but yeah, it's understandable why there is some hesitancy and seeking out seeking out care. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think also like with the black community, they don't want, like you said, with the stigma, they don't want people to look at them like something's wrong with them. Yeah. They think if I go see a therapist, there must be something wrong with me. And they yeah. look, and a lot of us like in our families, we had like a couple family members that maybe have had like some type of um, educational delay or they have some type of disability that it was noticeable and they don't mm -hmm. want to be labeled like them. So they'll be like, no, ain't nothing wrong with me. Like, I'm not going to see anybody. That means I'm disabled now, something. So they don't know how to separate the two things where I just, we're going through trauma and never, mm -hmm. ever, ever addressing it. And we just get trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. And we're passing it on and nobody's ever addressing it or even talking about it. You have mm -hmm. things happening in families every day and nobody's even addressing it at all. It's just, oh, we just ain't even going to talk about that. We can act like it never happened. And then you become an adult and you don't know how to, cope in your adult life because you're like wait a minute something's not right i don't even know how to get through this and you're projecting onto people around you and you don't even know why so mm -hmm. we got to get it together so um jonathan what um ideas about therapy do people just get wrong flat out wrong yeah that's a lot of ideas right a lot of things that are floating out there um, about therapy, mental health, um, and just a lot of just, just a lot of lies, you know, um, a lot of things that we've been told that are just not true, whether we heard it from someone or someone else told us about, you know, mental health or therapy, there are a couple of things I wanted to address. So I think, you know, uh, you mentioned about like, not feeling like there's something wrong with me. I don't need therapy or like thinking that, um, therapy is only for crazy folk or like mentally ill people, you're having a mental illness. That's a big one. Um, and I, I know that there is this like well-intentioned energy that's right now about there, like go see a therapist, go talk to a therapist. That can be a little kind of dismissive, but also kind of like adding insult to injury. So, and, and how there's a lot of noise on social media about mental health and mental illness and buzzwords, catchphrases and all that stuff. So I think what the biggest misconception is that therapy is not only for individuals who have severe mental illness. Um, there are people who are going to therapy for personal growth, people going to therapy for self-improvement. Um, they just need someone to talk to or support. I have clients that really don't have any clinical conditions. They're just reaching out because they want to talk to someone. It's just not, there's no clinic, clinical issue attached, but there is this misconception that it's just when you have something wrong with you and that's not true. So that's, that's one, one of the bigger ones. And that, um, some people, some black people believe that therapy is for white people and that people cannot find a therapist that will meet the needs of their experience, their unique experience as a black person. Um, and so why should I tell a white person or why should I tell someone that is different, different uh, racially than myself um, about my unique experiences as a black person? So that's that, that are, there is some valid um, information there. But again, you know, there are, you know, everything that, you know, <laughs> I um, thank you, Adrian, for telling my story. But like. I have a lot of experiences, lived experiences that are very pertinent to the unique experiences of black people. And so do some of my peers in the field who are black therapists. So it's like, there's nothing that 
we have not experienced or that we have not gone through that other people that have not received therapy haven't gone through as well. So it's important to find someone that really matches your lived experience or someone that gets you in your experience versus going to someone that um, that doesn't. Um, but there are therapists that, that are out there that really share some of the struggles that a lot of black people experience. And when you get into therapy, you realize that your experiences are not uncommon. They're not that unique. You know, it's you're not alone. There, there's someone out there that can really support you along your journey. So that's that's another misconception. Um, I can go down a list of misconceptions. There's like a million of them, <laughs> like in terms of just, you know, believing that therapy is a quick fix. You're coming in therapy and you'd be like, okay, I get a couple sessions in and I am, I'm ready to go. That's not, that's not it. <laughs> um, therapy is not a quick fix. Um, it's a, it's a, a long term process. Um, seeking out a therapist is not the end all be all solution to your problems. Therapy is not going to remove your problems. It is just here to support you. It is here yeah. to help you along your journey. And it takes time, it takes commitment, it takes an investment. Um, so that's that's also a misconception of therapy that I, I wanna kind of dispel, you know, was just believing that it is a short-term fix to your long-term problem. No, mm -hmm. it's not. Um, and then lastly, I think, you know, we mentioned it so far is, is in terms of black people, um, because we've had to, our ancestors, our ancestors had to be so strong in the past and we see going to therapy seeking help or support as a weakness or we see it as a lack of faith we're not praying hard enough we're not believing hard enough you have to pray it away and again that goes back to stigma and um i think it's just more of just understanding that your humanity we are human but we were made to be subhuman in the past but now we are like we are human and to ground ourselves into that and promote the idea that therapy can really be a valuable asset in connecting to your to yourself, to your beliefs, to your thoughts, and making you a more well-rounded person mm. versus keeping you in the past as, you, as if you were still a slave to the past, right? So therapy brings you out of the past into the present. So, that, so that's what the function is of therapy and why Therapy can be really a, a, an asset for a lot of people and really transform their life. So that's that's my my answer to that question. And I'm glad you mentioned the part about therapy isn't something that's gonna like fix me. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna come out a whole new person. All my problems are gonna be gone and I'm good. Like so, because I think a lot of times people will go to a therapist and they don't get that result. Yeah. And they're like, oh, therapy doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work. They and they're like, nope, I'm not going back. I told you I wasn't going to work, so they're going to like prove it wrong because they didn't fix them. So I'm mm -hmm. glad you said that. That's that was good. That was good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, the next question I have, well, this you know you can tell this was one of Drina questions, child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People go to social media with their problems, but won't let a therapist get in their business. Wow. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, that is a very interesting question. Um, um, I think hmm. I know why. 
what do you think? Tell me what you think about this question. I, I wanna, what do you all think about this question? I just, just wanna hear what y'all say. I, I really think people who go to social media with their problems don't really want to solve their problems. I think they like to be victims. I think they like the attention. I don't think they care if they get any type of healing and they're not really willing to do any work anyway. They just yeah. like attention. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, most people with a real, like a real hurtful, traumatic issue, mm -hmm. the chance of them sharing that, especially on a public platform, slim to none. I don't know, Didi. Some of the stuff we see, like, be deep you'd be like i can't believe you put that out there like i would have never <laughs> but that's the norm for them we think it's traumatic that's the mm -hmm. norm for them. that that that's how they get their attention that's their identity that's who they are if it's something that's hey. that traumatic to you where you you wouldn't dare you ain't putting that on social media but then also i think that in in the heat of the moment people look at it like I'm going to make this person look so bad that mm. I'm not thinking about Don't how I personally that. look by putting this information out there. Yeah, you talk about an emotional thing. We talk about folks that's like, they put all their business out there. Yeah, I mean, it's people. <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah. Um, social media yeah. is, is, go ahead, go ahead. Go out, I'm curious. No, no, I was going to say, I agree with Dee. I, I think a lot of times people don't want to find a solution, they just want to see what people are going to say, or like to get the mm. attention on the post or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't think it's, it's kind of like when people be like, you know, send prayers but don't ask questions. I'm like, what? Oh, that killed me. <laughs> what am I praying about? Like, you no, know, I'm gonna ask, what am I praying for? Like, I don't even know what I'm praying for. You could be praying for me to help you kill somebody. Like, right, what am I praying about? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's Take what I my think. privacy, but just pray. Uh, okay. You know, God told me to be specific in my prayer. Sorry. <laughs> mm -mm. I want to. I want to just kind of um, speak to all of what everyone is saying because there's it, it's a systemic issue why people are going to social media and doing trauma dumping and telling every everybody all of their deepest darkest secrets and. It, it's it's anonymous. You don't know who's behind the profile or the avatar. You don't know what's going on, right? And it, and when you read it, it can sound confusing, complex, and all of the above. Um, and and for me, how I'm seeing it is systemic because when you think about it, um, mental health. We're just now getting access to mental health as Black people. We're just now. This is new to us, right? I mean, we're talking about 20, 25 years of, of like, this is recent. Um, and we've been denied access to, to, to resources that will enable us to disclose what is going on with us. And, um, and, and, and I think that also too, that there is a collective distrust and mistrust of the medical community. And I'm speaking, I'm speaking that as a therapist about the mental health and the healthcare community. And we saw with COVID too, just a sense of like, I don't trust doctors. I don't trust this. I'm going to alternative medicine. I'm going to do my own thing pretty much. And so you, you have a lot of what is being reflected in the system of healthcare being reflected on social media. It mm -hmm. is a disaster. It is, um, you're, we're seeing all of the consequences and the, 
the the lack of support and the lack of accountability that the healthcare community and the healthcare system has provided to people. So they go to the internet, they go to social media and they create these videos and this content and they talk about all of their negative experiences because where are the therapists? I represent less than, I wanna say two to 3% of black therapists in the field. Two to 3% of black therapists in the workforce. And there's, the other is like 96% white, you know? And people who have a license and people who are in this profession don't even, some of them don't even practice. So you have that. And then you have people who are on wait lists. You have people who have been denied because of healthcare insurance. You have all these different um, failures of the healthcare system. And the byproduct of that is people getting on social media and telling people about all their deepest, darkest secrets because they don't have anybody to turn to or talk to or have access to. So you got that going on. <laughs> That's why I think that people are not going to a therapist versus going to social media because just there's no support. There's there's a lack of support. And that's why I'm, you know, part of my work is really about increasing representation and really about educating people about mental health careers and getting into this field to serve because the need is great. So you've got that going on. Um, and, you know, social media is 24 seven, 365 days a year. You can get on and you can write about anything and everything. You can get, you can get 24 seven therapy. <laughs> And then you can create communities around you, you know, that will support you in your problem and give you all the tools and resources and endlessly. So I think you have that going on. But again, that's trauma bonding. It's like you're bonding, but you're not really getting real help. You're just you're just like <laughs> getting, you're self-medicating, like you're putting a Band-Aid on a long term complex issue by going to YouTube and listening to videos or listen to this influencer or listen to um, some, a therapist that claims to be a therapist and a license, but they're on social media talking about whatever. And it doesn't necessarily have to make any sense. It could just be, you know, I'm a mental health therapist and I'm delivering this X service for this product. And you have no type of verification, no knowledge of them you know, in the crew, like you haven't gone and checked their license. You haven't done any of that. You're just watching it. It's like, okay, this is great. This is great content. So, so all that to say, there's, there's a lot of reasons why people go to social media versus a therapist because lack of access It's convenient. Distrust of the medical profession. It, it's, it's anonymous. It, it creates community. It's relatable, you know, and we have a lot of we have a lot of problems, but I think I just want to emphasize that uh, social media, you know, for those who are listening, social media, internet is not a substitute for professional therapy. Um, go get, you know, therapists are trained, culturally competent. They understand your experience. They can provide that personalized support for you, give you evidence-based interventions, offer you a safe place to explore whatever it is that you need to go to. I know that this is meeting your need now, but if you're dealing with major depressive disorder or something that is long-term, you have to seek support, professional support is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please do, please. Cause I don't want to read about it no more. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am wore out. <laughs> it's exhausting, right? It's a lot. 
Woo, I'm like, goodness, how many times we got to hear this story? Oh my God. Yeah. So what is something that you would say to someone that is very adamant about their disbelief in the mental health community and getting help from a mental health advocate? What would you say to them to convince them to go to therapy? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I would just say, you know, I, I, you know, I think what's important is I think there's a lot of invalidation and a lot of gaslighting. I think you guys used that word earlier when it comes to things in terms of gaslighting people's lived experiences. So if a person has a, um, a lived experience with distress, going to a therapist and having bad experiences or negative experiences, I think we just need to stop gaslighting people. First of all, we need to acknowledge and validate that they experienced that and acknowledge, listen, and acknowledge that they've experienced, um, had a negative experience with a previous provider or a previous person. And I also want to mention after that validation to say, you know, it can, you know, while you had that negative experience, it, that, that negative experience is not going to be um, conducive to every experience that you have with the healthcare industry, with life and with reality. But we want to validate and acknowledge first because that that helps with grounding that person to say i hear you i understand what you're saying i'm listening to you i get it um the next thing is just like to to introduce the the assets to therapy to say you know this is this is an incredible incredibly powerful tool incredibly powerful resource it can offer you a really safe and non-judgmental space where you can come to therapy and talk about with a therapist how fucked up the industry is and, and fucked up the, your experiences like that is welcome in the, in the process and a therapist and if a therapist tells you that you shouldn't have those experiences that's not a good therapist wow. um, because i've had clients come into my practice and i were like i don't want this like this is not for me that's valid that's understandable like i i, I hear you i hear what you're saying so we want to um, offer that safe space with no judgment, no criticism. That's what therapy can do. Um, and maybe we can kind of talk about not even going into therapy first. We can just talk about life. We can talk about like, I feel like this, this space here is very therapeutic. And maybe just having casual conversations about what's going on in the world or what's going on. It could just start there. And then maybe in the future lead to something else, but we don't want to impose interventions in a process onto someone because we believe or we think that it's better for them. Like, who are we to say that therapy is better for anybody? You know, like that's not, that seems a bit privileged. That's coming from a very privileged position. Mm. And so I think that can really help people to give therapy a chance or another chance if we start with acknowledging the distrust, acknowledging the mistrust, validating their experience, giving people spaces to really talk, and then saying, you know, hey, maybe you should, you know, look into, you know, talking about, let's talk about your relationships. Let's talk about, maybe you could talk about your relationships in therapy, and maybe you could talk about what you want to do in your career. Maybe we could talk about certain things to kind of, you know, ease them into that process, right? But we don't want to force people into this because that's gonna push people away. People are gonna become very defensive. People are already very guarded and very protective. So we wanna make sure that we are in the here and now and not wanting them to be in this future state 
it's, it doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work. Yeah. So that, that would be my answer to it. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with that because I remember um, doing my internship <laughs> and I had to counsel children that were in foster care. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough crowd. <laughs> they yeah. already don't want to talk to anybody. So I, I would never go in as if we're going to have a therapy session. We would right. just play. I would just play with them. We mm -hmm. would color. We would just do things, draw pictures and stuff like that. So they would just think I'm coming to play with them every week. And that right. way I would get them to open up and talk to me. Because coming in to talk, them kids like, man, she don't get out of here. Because mm -mm. mm -hmm. they're already shut down. They're already guarded. So you got to really figure out a way to soften people up. So they'll actually be to to even talk to you at all. So yeah. I agree yeah. With that. yeah. So uh let's see what we got here. I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think we might want to dive into it just a little bit more because I think this is very important to the black community. So mm -hmm. why do you feel that um people can't go to well, why do people feel they can't go to church and therapy simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it, it's it's the it's the the stigma um attached to 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 mental health and things of that nature, which is which is understandable. I, I think that there is this this is um this is a really complicated issue because the black community historically we're okay, there's a lot of research out there that shows that we are a very spiritual, very religious people, right? We we go to church. We celebrate. We we are really connected to spirituality in a way that is really different from other groups of people. So we can't we can't be um, dismissive of that. What happens oftentimes with Black people? What I have found, just in my experience, that there is a conflict with attending both church and therapy simultaneously because people believe that therapy um, indicates that I don't know how to handle my relationship with God. I don't know how to deal with my faith. I don't know how to go to scripture to address the, the issue or the condition that I am experiencing. And so there is this like inner struggle. There's this cognitive dissonance, right? When it comes to your belief system and mental health and getting treatment. And so that tent, so that conflict, what happens, it creates that tension between my desire to get guided by God and, and my spirituality and my faith and this need to get professional help. So as I'm speaking that out loud, I'm, I'm kind of acknowledging that this is the, the struggle that is often faced between going to, going to therapy and then also going to, to church. So that's, that's one thing. Um, there is a lack of um, awareness and information when it comes to, and I think you know our field could probably do a better job with this, with just helping people to understand the compatibility um, with what you believe in, your belief system, and and mental health. Like how do how do they both come together? Because there's a lot of confusion and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of like I don't know, I don't know, and that that's that ambivalence comes in because I don't know what to do with these parts that just cannot seem to go together. Um, so I think that there is more information that needs to be addressed with people that are in churches and in like pastors and leaders and things like that, that there, there is a possible integration that can, can occur. Um, 
And but I just think that more churches need to talk about this more, like talk about the integration between their theology and psychology. And I, I feel like that's not happening as much, but needs to happen more um, and not just going to go see a secular counselor, but going to see a faith based counselor because they know because, you know, when I was at Liberty, we learned about integration. You know, we learned about like how to put both of them together, but it needs to be a therapist that has that training and that experience. So. Um, yeah, so I think that there's, there's a, and there's a, a one more other thing is that, um, yes, normalized. I saw that the normalization of, of mental health is so, so key because it is, it is not normal, um, in many faith communities, not all, but many faith-based communities. And they also, the other thing I wanted to say to this question is just around like, um, people being worried about how they will be perceived if they go to therapy from the church, church members, you know, maybe they will be judged or criticized or maybe even shunned um, mm. or there's negative consequences within their religious community. If they're, if they're going outside of the fold and seeking out services, because there's like all of, you know, you have everything you need here. So why would you go outside? Like, mm -hmm. it, so there might be some of that. And so um, that can also be a barrier. Um, with seeking therapy alongside religious practice. So um, like the person in the chat said, like normalization, awareness, education, really talking about it more will really help with bringing both parts um, together. Mm. Yeah. Hope that makes sense. One of the things that people don't talk about a lot is that there is a lot of trauma caused by the church. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to address that. <laughs> and then on top of that, you pile on, oh, we don't even want you to go get help for the trauma that was caused by the church is just ironic in itself. Um, so like 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 Ramona said, we definitely need to normalize it. And just full disclosure, Ramona is a pastor. So <laughs> she, for her to be saying that it needs to be normalized, we definitely yeah, need to put that in there. Um, because most of the time we have in the Black community, we're coming to the church wounded. Mm -hmm. So there's trauma that we're coming with already. You might get traumatized in the church. There's just so many things going on. And there is nothing outside of those four walls that we can seek and try to get help. Well, yeah, we're coming there for a spiritual awakening or a spiritual healing. But what mm -hmm. about mental? Like, I don't even know what, what to do with all of this. There's so much going on. And we are raised from little kids to adults. And there is no help throughout that entire process for our mental state. Mm -hmm. Nobody's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say one more thing to that with the trauma. And, and I think that there's also this, this fear of like the church. I mean, cause I know that there's that that's going on right now with just like people coming out with their stories, their, their trauma stories. <clears throat> I'm seeing a lot of that on social media, but what I'm not seeing on social media is the nuances and the context there are certain things when you interpret things in a way that is taken out of context and out of uh, and not considering nuance in people's stories, mm -hmm. it makes things even more confusing. And so now there's this energy with like, you know, um, the black church this and the church has done that. And, and now it's just it, it's creating a really um, confusing narrative about what is happening um, in religious communities. Um, and I, I feel like it's, it's really predominant on on, on social media and the internet. And so I think one thing to consider here is that 
there are with black people we're not a monolith right we all don't experience faith and spirituality in one singular way right we have black people across the diaspora across the spectrum who 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 have a very positive relationship positive attitudes about their faith and their belief system but on one hand we also have black people who have been hurt and abused and traumatized by religion and their faith and spirituality so it's not just like either or it's both and so how can um black people in the, com the religious community exist with people who are also black and have been traumatized and harmed by the religious community how can both exist at the same time and that's what i feel like the, that that is not the conversation that is happening right now but i hope in the future that we would get there but that's not what's happening because everybody's like pointing fingers and it's like well, you did this to me it's a lot of anger a lot of rage and a lot of anger that's boiling up because people have feel like something has been taken from them that cannot be reclaimed right so how do we come to that place of like seeing both both and not we're not there yet but hopefully we'll, we'll be there with more conversations and more dialogue about the topic yeah so hey Andrina, y'all got any input <clears throat> no i was um i definitely agree with everything that y'all have said and i was going to say the same thing i know a lot of people who i feel like the the, the religious you know environment that they grew up in caused a lot of the trauma that they experienced and i think a lot of that has to come with um our parents you know we weren't allowed to ask questions why do we do this why do we believe this because that's what it is this is the way like this is the only way so you know as a kid you know you're taught to try to find out answers on your own or you pick up on context clues as a child but then like whenever you ask any questions you shut down you're like what is really happening like am i not supposed to ask any questions like and then that sets a thought in your mind like okay you feel like you can't ask anybody questions when it may not be the pastor that's telling you not to ask questions it's the people around you who don't have the answers and they're afraid to get in to ask and ask those questions because they don't want to seem like they don't know and so they've they've been you know and put this on you and you just a kid trying to figure out what's going on and why aren't you feeling the way that you see you see everyone else around you feeling so um yeah. i definitely think <clears throat> that a lot of people have not we as guys as being under the church but it's really being under our parents who raised us in the church like they they were afraid to ask those questions so how dare we ask them because they don't have the answer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know for someone that kind of grew up in the church like myself um it was kind of the church way or the highway you know um like drina said you you don't ask no questions you just believe you know, and if you don't, or you ask questions, too many questions, you know, you're going to hell. So um, you, <laughs> you tend to, you know, stay away from it. And so thinking that anything outside of the church, it was, it wasn't right. You know, you pray them, 
right? That's that's what we always say. You pray on it. You pray on it. You got any type of issues, you pray on it. God going to make a way. God going to take care of it. You know, and, and that's the type of environment that we grow up in. And, you know, that whole going to therapy, what, what, what you doing? Why? You crazy? You must be crazy. You must be losing your mind. Otherwise, you know, go get on your knees and pray to God. Because that's that's our healer. That's our way maker. Amen. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take you out of church for a second real quick. But uh, no, but that's, that's just the way that we kind of grew up. So to think that I could actually benefit from sitting and, and talking to someone else other than my pastor, other than my pray warrior, prayer warrior, you know, was, was blasphemy. So, yeah, man. Ooh, it's crazy. Yeah. The black community, boy, I tell you, that church, boy, y'all better not say nothing bad about that church. Right. <laughs> Pay them tithes, too. Oh my goodness. All right, y'all. Um, I think this other one we kind of already touched on. It's kind of the same, but I'll let y'all two answer it. Two or three reasons why everyone should try therapy at least once. What I always tell people is you get to go and speak to somebody and have a whole conversation with them and it's a completely unbiased opinion. When you walk out of there, it ain't no sweat off their back, whatever you have, whatever you just said to them. You don't got to worry about being judged. You don't have to worry about them repeating it. And you get to get another perspective besides the people that are in your circle. Because sometimes, like Didi always says, uh, an echo chamber, people have the same type of people around them who are like, oh, girl, that ain't, you're right. You're right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But her and her friends think it's okay to go slash some, you know, whatever the crazy stuff they're talking about. So it's sometimes refreshing to get an outside perspective um, on something that you're dealing with besides the people around you. And I think that's one of the, my main reasons for telling people to go. Yeah. So, um, I think that, well, one, I think that you should try therapy more than one time. Um, right. Because you know, you may have a therapist and it's, you just don't click. Right. And so that, that shouldn't mean that you give up. So I think that you shouldn't just have it, um, one time, but I think one of the reasons why you should definitely have, you know, go to therapy is just because it's, it's someone that's helping you understand things that you struggle with, right? Sometimes that's a hard thing and, and people have biases, right? So if you're trying to go to your friend or you're trying to go to your mama or your cousin, your auntie, whoever, right? There could be some type of bias there. We're going to a therapist. There is no bias. You know, they want to help you dig deep and do the work on the things that you have and that you're struggling with, right? There's no bias to it. They're here to literally help you figure this thing out and and help you get on track. So that's one of the, the main reasons why I feel like you should you should definitely go to therapy and seek out a therapist and kind of talk some of these things through. Um, like I said, they I mean, and, and we have a therapist here. He's, he's not here. He's not going to fix all your problems, but <laughs> to help you understand some of the things that you're struggling with, I feel like that's step number one, because a lot of times we react to things and do things that we don't even know why we're doing. 
right? It's it's real. Yeah. I think I I think um one reason is um and you know a lot of a lot of black folks come to me because they have relationship issues, right? So therapy is not just for just individuals or singles or it can it can really optimize and enhance your relationships, whether it mean a romantic partnership, your marriage, family dynamics, friendships. It can, you can come to therapy and you can, before you entered in therapy, you, you didn't know how to communicate. You didn't know how to talk to people. You didn't know how to establish relationships. Therapy, after several sessions, you've improved your communication. You build a deeper understanding with yourself and other people. You have been able to um, come out of some of the dysfunctions of your past that are carrying over into your present, where you can really start establishing healthy relationships and healthy connections with other people. You can have better conversations, more productive conversations. You know how to set boundaries. You know how to problem solve. You know how to manage conflict when it comes to you and you're not feeling anxious and feeling all these emotions. You know how to deal with that because of therapy. Um, you're able to take a step out, out of situations and gain insight and awareness to what is happening in a relationship dynamic to the point where you're not being triggered, to the point where you're not really being bothered by, you know exactly what is going on. That's what therapy can do by addressing all the underlying issues that are going on in your communication, your relationship, um, so you can build better relationships with people. Um, I was talking to Adrian about um, having career-related trauma, workplace trauma. Mm -hmm. I wanna um, do a future something about people who leave jobs because I, I find in some of the clients that I work with, that they're job hopping because they're leaving from one toxic job to the next toxic job to the next type of job. And it's because they are reliving their childhood trauma from the past that they have not resolved. So I've had clients that have come to me that they were doing that. They are reliving their abandonment and rejection from their parents. They are reliving um, the abuse that occurred in their past in a, in a, with a, a narcissistic boss or a controlling boss or supervisor. Um, they don't know how to set boundaries. They don't know how to do anything because they have been unsupported. They have not gotten any resources, no tools. They have been left alone. And so they met me and now I'm, I'm going along with their journey, helping them and walking through, through that pain, going back to the past walking them through that pain so that they can come to the present and be more adult-like so that when they go to apply for jobs and they can um, be on interviews and they can be in workplaces and they're more emotionally intelligent, they know what's going on, like they can really deal with conflict in the workplace, they know how to communicate with their boss, they know how to say, be more grounded. That's what therapy can do. Mm. And so it can, it can change your whole life. I've heard people who've gone to therapy and become millionaires because of therapy. No, I'm it's real. It can really happen. Like seriously, like seriously, that's what therapy can do. Like it is that transformation. It's that transformational. And I'm not. And I'm not lying about that at all. Oh yeah, 
I can imagine because I think we probably all even experienced uh, um, somebody we worked with that you know is like, yo, you need to go talk to somebody. Like, wait a minute, why are you so testy? Like, what is happening? That yes. wasn't that serious. Like, we or we've been that person where it's like, uh oh, I think I snapped a little bit too much today. It might fire me. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I could imagine how. How, like you said, transformational therapy mm -hmm. for a job because that's where you spend most of your time. You're around yeah. people all day long, and it's like you never get a break from the people. Never. Yeah. And you don't know how to regulate yourself. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You you guys talked about gaslighting earlier and being mm -hmm. gaslit. That that can really take you outside of yourself. It, you know, you're not you're not really grounded when you're being gaslit. And like, how do you cope with that? That's what you learn in therapy. How do you cope with being gaslighted at work? How do you deal with a difficult boss? How do you deal with a too, uh, difficult supervisor? How do you deal with a man, uh, a coworker that is just really getting on your nerves? Like, how do you deal with that stuff? Yeah. And that that's one of the things being retired Air Force is like, mm. understand? like we can't get away from them people. Like, we, we can't call out. We, we still gotta go. Okay. Yeah. Like, we can't. Oh God, they torture us like every day. Mm -hmm. oh, oh yeah. Oh God. Mm. I need to come. What's your number? Let me. <laughs> Can we come tonight? <laughs> Be down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. The, the work mm -hmm. that's interesting. That is, ooh, child, I call myself a serial quitter. Quit in a minute. Mm -hmm. I got to go. I ain't staying here. Mm -mm. I got to go. Wow. Mm -hmm. well, I, I have a, uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say that reminds me of Rochelle and everybody hates Chris. I don't need this. My husband got two jobs. <laughs> right. I'm out of here, man. I'm like, I ain't retired to work this hard. Log off. I'm out of there. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I got trauma. Oh, God. I need to go work on that. So, y'all, this last topic that we're going to talk about may be a little triggering, but I definitely want us to talk about it. Okay? And I want everybody in the comments to participate. Okay? You okay, boys and girls? So what is a childhood trauma that still triggers you as an adult? I'll go first. Uh, so I'm a foster, I'm a, a former foster child. So, because my mom was on drugs and all that stuff. Um, so abandonment is huge for me. Still to this day, it could be the smallest thing, and I feel like somebody throwing me away. I feel like you're you're not hearing me. You you don't want you don't want me. You you're abandoning me. It could be the smallest thing. So abandonment is still an issue for me. So for me, it's people not showing up when they say they don't show up. Um, and so that stands for me from childhood. You know, my father saying he going to show up and he don't show up. So for me, you know, when people say they're going to do something and they don't do it, then that's a problem for me. Um, so if you're not going to do it, just tell me. 
and I'm cool with that. But if you tell me you're gonna do something and you just don't show up, I'm liable to cut you off because of the trauma. Mine is my mama was always yelling, always. No matter what, at some point I was like, is it like her hearing? Can she not hear? She was just always yelling. Like, and it would just happen so quick. And I didn't understand. And so like now in my relationships or, um, you know, any type of environment where people raise their voice at me, I just shut down. Like I completely shut down because I don't want to participate in this type of um, exchange. Like I would just completely walk away because I cannot take people yelling at me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what everyone has said is, is very resonant. Um, <clears throat> when I was younger, um, I experienced a lot of significant loss. Um, I grew up with an alcoholic mother, um, functional alcoholic. She was also having her own mental health issues coping with that with alcohol. Um, and so I also have, you know, fears related to abandonment and rejection and neglect. Um, and it has, those experiences have had a, a really negative impact on me personally. Um, and it's still something that I carry with me today in relationships where I have tendencies to just isolate and withdraw. Um, whenever I come across people who have, um, controlling tendencies or perfectionistic tendencies or tendencies that are manipulative. I don't know how to navigate that. Um, even today, even as a therapist, I have to set really strong boundaries. Um, and I'm always, you know, the therapists are not perfect. You know, we, we're, we're actively working on ourselves, healing ourselves. The only difference between me and a another person is that we have different tools. Um, doesn't mean that we don't get triggered. We do get triggered. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a work in progress, but yeah, like, you know, I have a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of pain from the past and, uh, always still trying to work through them. And, uh, yeah. Good stuff. That was good y'all. Yay. <laughs> I'm still calling you. I'm available. I'm here. <laughs> Anybody that want to talk, yes. let me know. I'll give you my information. The space is always available. Nate said he was in a group home and was forced to eat pork and beans all the time. I can't even look at a can for the Lord. Yeah. Oh, child. Yeah, that's how I feel about mustard, but we ain't going to go into the mustard thing. Oh, my God. Mm. Let me touch it. Mm -mm. All right, y'all. Well, that was my last topic, unless somebody else has something else they would like to talk about. Um, I'm in early tonight. Um, this was so necessary and so good. And like, I'm here for it. I love it. What did Woe say? He said, communication barriers within my immediate family. When I feel like things are better left unsaid or get hit with the, that's just how you, ooh, they are while talking, I shut down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can I don't like that one either. Oh, me either. I hate that. So people passes for yeah for being jackasses. Yeah, know. it's dismissive and it invalidates you. I don't like it. Right. Yeah. Like that. that and um, I'm sorry if you felt that way. Yeah. No, you did it. You actually did it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing it. 
sorry. I'm sorry you took it that way. <laughs> that is such an insincere apology. No. We are, we are, we are the, I, I heard this from a, a fellow colleague and a mentor of mine. And she told me that we are experts at masking, mm. at masking. We do, we wear the mask in order to cope. And we say things, I'm sorry you felt that way. Or we invalidate and we dismiss, even in the yeah. event of being abused and mm. hurt, we mask. We do so. We we do it so well. It's just so automatic to us. It's so ordinary to us. Yep. And we and we let people just get away, like you said, not setting boundaries. We let them get away yeah. with certain things that we know hurt us, but we've yeah. been taught like, nope. We like Adrian said, don't you ask no questions? Don't mm -hmm. you challenge that? Don't you? Mm. No, but that really hurt my feelings. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's. <sighs> the trauma. But one thing I will have to like, I think for our generation and our kids, we are allowing them to, to express themselves. We're allowing them to mm -hmm. say things that they need to say and to be themselves and not force things onto them that just because I said so. No, 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 no. Let's have a conversation and dialogue and let me know how you really feel about it because I don't want you to hide that from me. So, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Cause y'all know my son gonna tell it. <laughs> no filter. <laughs> no filter. But that was good. Yeah. Well, you are absolutely right. Heavy discussions and hard. Heavy discussions are hard, but they are definitely necessary. And this is one way to break the barriers. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is a part of the show where we like to let folks. Um, Tell the world what we have going on coming up. If you want to promote anything, if you want to show people how to contact you, follow you, whatever it is that you got going on that you would like folks to know, this is your opportunity. I'll let you go first, Jonathan. Well, I, I want to just um, thank you all for um, being transparent and offering me a safe space to come to your show. I was laughing behind the scenes. Y'all had me cracking up. I'm glad y'all opened with that because I was like, I didn't know if I was going to come on and just go right in it. But <laughs> y'all kind of set the tone and then we shifted into more of the, the hard stuff. So I really appreciate this space and I hope, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much. But um I am working on, you know, my practice is a tone therapy. I am accepting clients. I'm, I'm licensed to practice in Maryland and Virginia. Um, in the future, I'm, I'm planning on, op you know, opening up more doors for taking on insurance clients. Right now, I'm private pay. But um, if you want to reach out to me, I'm willing to do free consultations. You know, just let me know. I can connect you to a therapist if you, if you are interested in therapy. I know a lot of therapists. Just know that you do have support. You have support in this house. Um, so um, wanted to say that I'm also working on a couple of other projects related to a religious trauma, black religious trauma. Um, I have a podcast that's called Surviving the Black Church. Yes, that is the title, Surviving the Black Church. And um, we have a podcast, you can look it up. It's on Google, Surviving the Black Church podcast. We have, a, we have 13 episodes, so if you can just tune in and listen in, we're not coming after the church. 
don't be afraid. We just get in contacts and nuance. That's all we're doing. Um, so, <laughs> not naming no names. We we just need to put it out there because this is where we're at, right? Um, so I have that going on, and yeah. So that's that's me. Jonathan, you better show out. Surviving the Black Church. Let me it's find called out. Surviving the Black Church. Yes. <laughs> what you got going on, Drina Dream? Nothing. <laughs> 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 Why is she so happy? <laughs> we just wrapped up the Gulf Coast Brunch Festival, so we're done with that. Um, I'm going to start working on a project. I think I told you guys before about graduating seniors, the Life Skills Expo. So I'll begin the groundwork on that, getting um, all the, not just vendors, but speakers and everything involved with that. Because we need to give these kids some guidance on what they can need to do with the rest of their life. So that's what I'm working on. What you got, AD? Well, actually, tomorrow I'm doing a training on diversity and inclusion. Um, so that should be very, very interesting. It's going to be a workshop um, actually tomorrow and Thursday to be exact. Um, what else I got going on? Um, I just took in on um, more clients uh, for training, actually got a contract for it um, with the government. So I'll be doing that as well, too. And uh, yeah, man, just just kind of working and, and, and growing and building and trying to figure out how to be a better person day by day. What, what you what you post? One uh, percent each day, every day, one percent every day, man. That's what I'm trying to do. Daniel, you better not be near my house. Where you at? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's see what I got. Um, of course, you know I film the the Core Queen podcast. Um, it airs every Thursday, so I'll be filming the next episode tomorrow. Um, what else I got? My son has me busy this weekend. He done booked my whole weekend up. <laughs> I don't know what the, this teenage thing is different. Um, I got something else. Oh, of course, I'm planning my second annual winter coat drive in my hometown of Bristol, Pennsylvania. So if you'd like to donate a coat, um, all the information is on my social media. You can look for it, find it, or inbox me. I'll let you know where you can donate. You can either donate monetary or you can donate coats, whatever. We give away all kinds of stuff. We give away money for the highest GPA. We give away a flat screen TV to the kids, a uh, laptop. They play games and win all these stuff and they get a free coat and a free meal. So that's January 13, 2024, Bristol, PA at the Jungle Gym in Bristol. So that's my hometown. Um, what else I got? I think that's about all that I have coming up so far. I know I got a table read coming up in Atlanta in the next couple of weeks for a new TV show. So we'll see. Break a leg. Thank y'all. Um, y'all, thanks to the I Am World Media Group um, for always supporting the show, uh, hooking us up. You know, I think it's 13 podcasts in the media group. So shout out to all the podcasters that are in the group. Um, we will be, I believe tomorrow, I think it's at 10 a.m. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, on the Black with No Chaser internet radio. So if you want to hear the audio version of this, download the app BWNC internet radio app. It's in your app store. Check it out. Download it. It's a great app. Black owned, you know, hooking people up. 
Um, and also we are on Spotify if you want to hear the audio version as well. And if you would like to donate to the Breaking Barriers podcast, as you can see, the cash app is scrolling across the bottom of the screen. If you feel so, donate. If not, we still will provide you some great content. Y'all, next week is Thanksgiving, so we will not be on next week. So make sure you go out on YouTube and Facebook and enjoy some old episodes. We got some good stuff out there. Enjoy it. Enjoy your family next week for Thanksgiving. If you if you celebrate, if not, still enjoy your family. And don't eat too much, y'all. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Eat, get you one know, plate. Go sit down. People don't care about, and then they just start fresh June. I mean January. You know how they, they still go. gonna be fat in January. Don't pack your to-go plate before you eat your regular plate. Right. Eat your and regular don't have two, three, four, five plates, and people ain't even eating <laughs> it. And all you brought was cups and all cups and forks. That's all you brought. <laughs> greedy, oh. just greedy. Well, we'll see y'all in two weeks when we come back from our little hiatus. If you got some um, topics you want to talk about, DM us or inbox us. And if you want to be a guest on the show and you actually got something to talk about, DM us in boxes. Don't come on here with nothing crazy. Uh, what, what was that? Wait a minute. I'm going to get some jokes with it. Oh, okay, Jonathan. Bring the jokes to us. We want to hear them. Or eat good and work them out, Didi. No, I ain't got time. Mm-mm, don't waste my time. You know, I don't do that. My clients know I give them instructions right before Thanksgiving. Eat your one plate. And go that's it. Don't be in there being big back, okay? No. Well, oh, John said stay back, back once we close so we can share information. So you can share your information with us. Yes, please. But y'all, we'll holler at y'all in two weeks. Be good. Stay safe. No DUIs, like the military used to say. Don't get no DUIs over Thanksgiving because ain't nobody coming to get you. You're closed to the weekend. I mean, till Monday. So <laughs> we out, y'all. <laughs> Come on.